This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. So here we are, season three of Driven by Data, the podcast. I'm delighted that you've decided to tune in and rejoin us. We've got some absolutely fantastic content coming your way. So all that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. In order for your organization to make the best possible business decisions and to make the most of your data, you need the very best people. And that's where Orbition Group comes in. We have a proven track record in partnering with some of the largest brands in the world to the most innovative and disruptive startups and everything in between. We go beyond traditional recruitment services. The organizations which we partner with benefit from the added extras that we offer, such as raising your organization's brand awareness to the data and analytics community, providing you with insights into the current market and your competition, benchmarking you against the industry to give you the best chance to successfully attract the best talent. We want to become an extension of your business to identify, engage, attract and retain the best talent possible. If this sounds of interest, please reach out today by visiting orbitiongroup.com. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season three. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Alison Saygraves, who is a very influential figure in our industry, um, a industry leader turned board advisor turned uh, NED turned practitioner of uh, thought leadership uh, rights for Harvard Business Review and, and does many other things which we're going to learn about uh, on today's episode. But Alison, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. I'm delighted to be here. So where we always start, Alison, is by asking our guests to give themselves, I guess, a brief intro into their background and, and journey to date up until this point in time, uh, if you uh, if you could. Okay, so I, you know, I have a long uh, career in, um, you know, in industry and in banking and financial services. Uh, but for for the purpose of this podcast, you know, my kind of my big role as I come toward the end of my um, financial services career was I was chief data officer for a major bank for twenty years, top twenty U.S. bank, or for five years rather, uh, from 15, 2015 to two thousand twenty. So that was really uh, that was such an interesting role because that was kind of in the early days of uh, CDOs, and so I was involved uh, uh, with CDOs from across industry and in, in helping to shape the role. Uh, then I, I kind of moved on from that and um, joined uh, Carnegie Mellon that has a program, a Chief Data Officer Certificate Program. I was one of the founding people for that program and have been uh, with that for uh, several years now, and we've. Uh, Graduated, I think, over 150 people um, from that program. Really terrific uh, students from uh, mid mid career, or in some cases, chief data officers, truly from around the world, from all kinds of uh, organizations. That's been really, really rewarding. And so, a lot of what I'll be talking about today has been influenced by just the interaction I've had with leaders from cross sector uh, and globally. Um, and then, you know, I've taken this experience and really tried to uh, 
really give a, a, a take on on how we need to evolve this role. And so I've you know partnered with Randy Bean. We all know Randy Bean, right? On a couple of pieces, the last one that was just in uh, HBR on uh, is the chief data and analytics. I think we called it the chief data and AI officer role set up to fail. Uh, so, you know, kind of a controversial take on that. And so I'm doing, um, uh, you know, writing, uh, advising boards, and I, you know, do consulting as well. So it's a great space to be in. It's been uh, such an interesting journey. And I'm also a beekeeper. So I like to say that, uh, you know, why in the world I would take that up as a hobby uh, when I had a career that was full of scars and now I have a hobby that's full of stings. So hopefully <laughs> today we're going to talk about scars and stings. Yep, absolutely. No, that's a perfect intro. So thank you very much um, for that. So I guess um, for context and what we'll do is when this podcast goes live, we'll put the link to your article uh all over it so people can access it um, because I read it this morning in preparation and it's a yeah, very uh, interesting and, and thoughtful piece. Um, keen to get your take on, I guess, the evolution of the chief data officer role, right? Because I guess it started as the, the CDO role. It then became the CDAO role. Now we're talking about the CDAIO role. Just give us the, the kind of high level context from your perspective that we need to kind of understand the evolution that the that role and the journey that it's been on. Yeah, so, you know, all of these titles, you know, it, it kind of coexist. So um, it's really more about uh, kind of the functional evolution. So the, the first group of chief data officers, and, and I was in one of the, you know, kind of the early groups starting in 2015, um, really came out of, and we talk about this in the article, really came out of the regulated industries from the defensive standpoint. Um, so being in banking, that certainly, uh, you know, was the, the first CDOs were very focused on compliance, finance, um, the, the regulatory functions, um, which, you know, it's all the same data as the uh, commercial functions, which is, uh, you know, an interesting take. Um, so I think when we talk about CDOs, uh, in a sense, um, I kind of think about that as like the early generations of CDOs that were focused more on establishing the enterprise data management uh, capabilities in their companies, uh, a little bit more from a defensive posture. But again, that's very industry um, specific, uh, you know, with more regulated industries having a heavier hand, uh, heavier balance uh, on that side. Um, the CDAO, uh, uh, you know, there are organizations now that have <clears throat> wrapped the analytics piece into the CDO role. There's no right way to do this. I mean, you can have a CDO, you can have a chief analytics officer. It's very, I think, context driven. Um, but I think that was in recognition that, um, kind of the early chief data officers, you know, maybe starting out with setting up these capabilities around enterprise data management, how do you get value out of that? And so I think the the sort of the next kind of waves were really around um, value monetization and so forth. And uh, that's, I think, why the CDAO title came about. Uh, certainly you can have a CDO, you can have a chief analytics officer. That's any organization's choice as to how they carve up those responsibilities. And then the CDAIO, I don't know that that's really such a common um, title at this point, but it, for the for the purpose of the article, I think the idea was 
that, uh, okay, we're now in another generation. We have another, um, you know, sea change happening. And much of the foundational work that chief data officers did in the early days of establishing these capabilities, of establishing, uh, you know, the kind of standards and controls over data, we can get into this, uh, are truly leverageable, uh, but need to be like at a different scale and speed, you know, for the for the world that we're in now. So I think there's a linkage through all of these kind of three generations, and any organization may choose to uh, to carve up these responsibilities in in different roles. But that's kind of how I see the three different three different acronyms for the sake of acronyms. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting. I think. Um... You're very right that the context of the organization, uh, the sector, that all plays a, a part. But I think um, it, I find it fascinating to see the differences in different kind of geographical locations around the world. So, you know, we obviously our day job as a as a search firm, as it were, we we work heavily into the US and you get a much more of a split around the chief data officer, the chief analytics officer and the whole spectrum in terms of how they carve that up. Whereas in the UK, it's tended to be the chief data officer and it's almost just a foregone conclusion that that person will also own analytics and artificial intelligence and everything that goes with it um so yeah i mean job titles are so undefined and non-standardized in our industry um always makes yes. for, for for interesting kind of debate i guess but um look there's a couple of quotes from your article that i wanted to to pick out and obviously we've had randy on the podcast before and we kind of touched upon this in a little bit of detail but keen to get your take so um the first one um paraphrasing somewhat here but basically 92 percent of companies report that they have achieved some kind of measurable value from their investment in data analytics but only 24 percent say they've created a data-driven organization and just over 20% of those businesses report to having established a data culture, which is very interesting. Why do you think that is? What's been the cause of that through all your research and, you know, everything you've been involved in with, you know, the, the program that you're involved in, et cetera? Have you come to any kind of conclusion as to, uh, I don't like to use the word blame, but, you know, who, who we're pointing the finger at here for for this type of stuff? Yeah, I, this is such a fascinating uh, conversation. I, I'll give some examples in, in a minute of different CDOs that I've since talked to. Um, but actually, I'm going to answer this with a quote from the article because this is really kind of at the heart of, of, of I think, my argument, which is, uh, so this is quoting from the article, since virtually every problem in the digital economy can be described as a data problem, victory is hard to achieve unless there are agreed upon metrics from which project progress can be measured. So I, I really think that in a sense, um, the way the role has been defined or probably not really very well defined, the goal posts keep moving. And so whenever you talk to whether it's the chief data officer, him or herself, or, you know, other people in, in the company, they'll say, well, yeah, I don't, you know, yeah, we've achieved some value. I don't, I don't know whether we're this idea of what, what is data driven? What, what, you know, we don't have a data culture. So I think I think these are these are not um, precise terms, and and nobody will nobody would ever want to declare victory because this is a field that is always under construction. You know, it's like New York City. If you ever go to New York City and you don't see a crane, then you need to be worrying what is going on. So I think in a field where the where we're always under construction, where there's always something new. Um, we've had a hard time, I think, showing that that 
hey, this construction has actually delivered value. Um, you know, but the survey does kind of say that, that uh, whatever percentage of people, I think the majority of, of respondents to the survey, and I took the survey several years, would say they've achieved value, but like they haven't like hit the holy grail of being data-driven or have a data culture. I, I'm not sure you'll ever get anybody to say that. So it's funny because um, I interviewed some really, uh, you know, Fortune 100 um, chief data officers last year in Silicon Valley. And I, I asked them, I, I gave them that exact statistic about, you know, the only, you know, 20 plus percent say they have a data culture. They're like, oh yeah, we don't have a data culture. And then I would say, okay, well, tell me about a win that you've had in your organization. Tell me about how you're using data. And then they would proceed to describe something really significant. And so I said, well, what is the gap between what you just described and now you're saying you don't have a data culture? And they're like, well, you know, in our procurement department, um, you know, we, we really, and they'll give an example of a department that has not been transformed by data. So I, I feel like this, there is a bit of a problem here in that um, I think we kind of focus a little bit on what we haven't done instead of what we have done. And I don't mean to give any simplistic answer that this is just a matter of communication and you know, it, it's it's more complex than that, but I I do think there is a a huge glass half empty kind of uh, attitude in this space that we need to be a little better about quantifying the value that has been achieved, communicating that value, or or where we haven't achieved the value, so that the next things that we do are are more have more of a commercial focus to them. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean. I've been saying for for many years now that data analytics as its own industry um, discipline definitely needs to improve its ability to sell and market itself better, especially within organizations that it's operating, you know, and I think we, we host a lot of events. I know that you're very active in the event space and, you know, as you very rightly say, you, you go to these things and you hear about all the great things that people are achieving with data analytics in their organization that you know trying to transform the way that business operates yet um on the outside it's very much seeming like you know it's uh well we're struggling to quantify actually how much value and if we can't do that then the business kind of looks down its nose at us because we're not doing our job properly and and so on and so forth which is a a really interesting place to, to be how much of this then do you think is partly because of you know, the role is undefined and the kind of goalposts keep shifted, as you said, because I got another quote here from uh, from your article basically said that, you know, between 2012 and 2023, uh, the role of appointed CDOs grew from 12 to basically 83 percent, which is a, a big, big hike right in just over 10 years. Um, however, 35 percent of those companies basically said that the role was successful and well established and only 40 percent um, say that you know the role was understood within their organization how how much of this issue do you think is placed on the fact that you know many businesses know that they should be doing something or doing more with regards to data analytics because they know there's value in here somewhere but what that actually looks like from the outset is difficult for those businesses to define 
Yeah, I mean, so I <clears throat> I want to be clear that this is I don't believe that this is just a marketing and value quantification problem. And I think there you know we talk in the article about what we think is wrong and what needs to change. Um, so I think it's really kind of the the issues of the past have been that. Um, it's been more of a build it and they will come kind of mentality, lots of investments, lots of, okay, let's hire a bunch of data scientists. Let's hire a bunch of data engineers. Let's build, let's, so it's been about things and people and resources and spend and, um, with a bit, um, too much of a, not a tight enough alignment to what are you really trying to achieve? So I think that as a result of this, um, I think that's why you might see some of these statistics being kind of low on the effectiveness uh, uh, scale or the is the is this role understood because people look and say like, hey, we've spent a lot of money, uh, but like I still I still can't get this report that I want or I still can't, you know, I still don't know, uh, you know, this about my customers or, you know, we still have these problems, you know, with data in this particular area. So um, I think when you when you when there's a, a kind of a history of this, you know, these big efforts that are not like closely tied to uh business results and communicated in that way, um, that sort of disconnect uh, just like kind of breeds a bit of a lack of trust, which we talk about in the article. And, um, you know, I think that the opportunity really is not that uh, there wasn't value that could have been achieved or was achieved from a lot of this work that's been done over the past, you know, 10 years, uh, but that it's it's got to be more focused, more scrutinized and more targeted uh, and, and with a much tighter um uh, partnership with the business and focused on on real business problems and and you know really co-sponsored by the business. I think that, I think that's kind of what we've learned. And and by the way, that is much easier said than done, which we'll probably talk about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, tell us then, I guess you know from your perspective at the moment, then what what is wrong with the CDAIO title or CDO, CDAO, um, the, the, the role of, you know, that, that job as it stands today in, in your opinion, I guess, linking it back to the effectiveness of what those people need to be achieving within an organization. Well, you know, I think at this point, I mean, that kind of the, the good news, um, is that, um, you know, if you think back to, if I think back to my days, if I think back to the days of some of the early CDOs, you know, we we were really just trying to communicate to our customers, our stakeholders about, you know, some basic concepts like about data quality and, you know, data literacy. And, and this all had a bit of a kind of a preachy tone to it, which I think, you know, is probably kind of a turnoff in, in retrospect, but like it was kind of trying to introduce stuff um, to large numbers of people where now a, a lot of that, um, you know, the, we live in a digital economy. Pretty People are pretty sophisticated in, in managing their own lives with data. And so, you know, the people that are in companies are at a new place intellectually in terms of we live in a digital world. So I think appreciating that we're at a different place and now with, um, you know, just so much buzz around AI and and headlines about um, data ethics. Uh, you know, when when you brought up data ethics five years ago, people would just like kind of look at you like roll your eyes or whatever. I mean, <laughs> that was barely a, a thing in in discussion. But now this is these are this is headline news. So I think uh, something that's good in a sense is that many of the um, 
many of that sort of like the, the foundational aspects of just awareness that CDOs had to spend an enormous amount of time on and kind of an uphill battle um, it, it has now, that's just now in the public domain. So I think there's a lot less time that needs to be spent uh, selling these like concepts in a sense. Let's assume that like people get it. Okay. <laughs> uh, what we, what we need to sell is, uh, what's the problem we're trying to solve and how can, how can, how can we use data? How, how can we use the new capabilities that are emerging with AI to solve very specific business problems? So I think the, uh, it's a difference in tone, a difference in urgency, a difference in, uh, really in stature in the organization. I think this, you know, we're now talking like this needs to be board level kinds of activities, uh, executive committee level discussions. I mean, this is, this is now, this is how the economy is going to run. I mean, you know, I don't need to tell this audience about what kinds of changes are likely to unfold uh, uh, over the next, uh, you know, who knows uh, that are already unfolding now. And, you know, our economy is going to fundamentally change in ways we can't even understand. So there's just more, um, more visibility, you know, and more awareness. And so uh, the role needs to kind of meet this moment. And uh, you need a person of stature to be in the role and you need people uh, who are engaged and not just looking to that person to solve their problems, but to be committed to be on the journey together to, to figure out how uh, their company, their organization is going to compete, you know, in, in, a, in a fundamentally transformed world. I mean, everybody's got to show up. Uh, it, there's, the CDO is no longer the, we need to do this role. And it's like, hey, let's get together. What, let's talk about how we're going to compete. How are we going to win in this new, in this new age? It's a, to me, it's more of a collaborative, competitive spirit than a, um, trying to convince people to get on board. Those days are over. If you're, if you're still convincing people, you got the wrong people in your company. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, I mean, and that makes perfect sense. Um, keen to get your thoughts on this then, I guess, you know, from all of the CDOs, CDAOs that you've worked with through the program and obviously your own experience in industry, Alison, um, does reporting line matter? Because there's a lot of debate around where the role sits and fundamentally how much influence you can have and how much you can become a partner to the business and all of that type of stuff if you are, you know, several layers removed from the exec level, uh, as, as as you mentioned before. So d does that play a part in the effectiveness of, of the role, do you think? You know, I think people kind of over-index on this. Uh, they over-index on which letters should be in the job. And they over-index on, well, should it be here? Should it not be in IT? And like, we have these like, you know, religious battles about, <laughs> about this. Uh, I think it's kind of more important that uh, that um, you have somebody of, of, of um, you know, stature in the role and that the, the organization is, is behind the role. Um, and, you know, it shouldn't be buried in the organization. It should be a visible role. It should be well-supported. It should be executive-sponsored. It should be board, um, you know, board-aware. <laughs> um, so I, I think if those conditions are present, uh, you know, I, I personally am a little less uh, focused myself on exactly where it reports, other than it's uh, it's an important, these are, it's an important uh, role 
but it's a and it's a role that engages the enterprise. So it it needs the support to to be able to do that. Uh, but that can take many forms. It can take many titles, and it can be in in many reporting relationships. Now, you probably have done a lot of research on this and have uh, some thoughts about. Uh, I'd love to hear what what your take is on this. Yeah. All right. You flip the tables on me. Okay. Here yeah. Shoot, um, shoot me down what I just said. <laughs> no, no, no. So look, I think um, I think fundam- fundamentally, I absolutely agree with you. I think that the challenge the challenge often in that scenario is that if the if the role isn't at the right level it becomes really hard to get that person of stature who has the skills to do the job because of you know you just run into um as everyone will probably experienced in their lifetime you know corporate politics and red tape around bandings and things like you know salary bandings and gradings and all that type of stuff that typically happen in especially larger more enterprise style organizations so yeah i think fundamentally i absolutely agree with you if you've got the right person that person will get the job done irrespective of where they are sat um when that often becomes challenging is if they um that they're so far removed or you know where the business thinks the role should live or where they are pitching that role in terms of grade and level um sometimes then you know they might not have the means necessarily to go and get the type of person that they should get um and often the disconnect then um occurs and it's almost too late until it's failed and you know we've seen that you know multiple iterations of that role and that failing of that role over and over again before actually people realize okay it might need to be elevated up you know a level or two in some instances whatever the case may be so yeah i think fundamentally i absolutely agree it shouldn't matter does it matter sometimes? And I think, yeah, it's, you know, given each individual organization has its own context, right, on on that in terms of, you know, what's important to it, where it should sit. It really depends on the business, what it does, how regulated it is, what it's trying to achieve, et cetera. So it's, uh, it's a difficult conversation to, to have for sure. Um, and obviously we get asked about this quite a lot, right? So a lot of what we do is helping organizations to build their teams. And it's typically businesses that are either in hyper growth mode with data analytics or it's businesses that are at the start of that journey looking to piece all of this together. Uh, and often, you know, businesses ask for our advice on, well, where do you think it should fit? Where should it sit? Uh, what, you know, what are the implications of it sitting here versus sitting here in terms of title, in terms of remuneration, in terms of the type of people and background, you know, so it's, it is a very complex um complex uh, discussion to kind of get into because there are so many facets to you know facets and implications to if it lives here these are the consequences versus it living here in this other place and you know what may or may not be possible so yeah i guess i'm of the camp i i completely agree i mean there's a minimum threshold of level that this has to be at just to 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 signal the stature of the role the importance of the role i guess i'm in the camp of um you don't need to argue if this doesn't report to the CEO, it can't be successful. Like I, I'm not one yeah. of those people. Um, you know, I, I just am a more flexible thinker about how the world can operate. So um, I, I just try to avoid absolutes. Uh, I guess my only absolute is that it be given, uh, you know, does it be given a weighty, some kind of weighty uh, um, significance in the organization? Because this is, this is what underpins your entire business. 
Um, but you know, whether it reports to the CEO or not, whether it reports to the CIO or not, that's to me very contextual to the to the company. Yeah. Do you find though that where businesses tend to house the role often gives you an indication of what they perceive the role to be? I mean, I do think there is some risk in uh, putting it in technology um, because I think, uh, and again, you, you can probably like argue this in many different ways, depending on the context of the company. If it's a digital native company versus a legacy company, you know, I, I come from a more regulated legacy industry. So again, con- context is queen here. <laughs> um so I think in, if you're a company where you struggle to get business ownership over technology things, then I would be wary of putting a role like this in technology. I think um, companies with that kind of profile might be better served to have the role be more embedded in the business so that the business really does take more ownership. Uh, again, I think it's contextual, but I, I don't think people should look at this as a this is a technical thing. Um, yes, there are significant, uh, you know, there's significant technical um, uh, underpinnings to all of this, but fundamentally data data represents business activity. It is a business, in a sense, asset. Uh, the business needs to step up and and really play, play a leading role. Yep, absolutely. Makes uh, makes sense i guess we've spoken a lot about what hasn't maybe worked so well or or some of the shortcomings thus far but i guess in terms of what many cdos cdaos whatever title we're using what have what have they got right so far in your opinion well i think that um you know cdos in a sense were somewhat um a bit prescient when when they formed these enterprise committees. We had one of these enterprise committees, and you know certainly I've talked to a lot of people in industry that you know had the the enterprise committee with the person from compliance and legal and the businesses represented and and brought uh, brought this group of uh, enterprise leaders to the table to discuss uh, you know important issues like data security, data privacy, data ethics. Uh, so. I feel like while that uh, construct may have been um, considered like too heavy-handed, uh, you know, in a prior era for the maybe the use cases that were in play for some certain companies, um, you know, that sort of spirit of really, really enterprise uh, interdisciplinary focus. Um, that's now really needed for things like AI. I mean, the issues that you face with that from a legal perspective, from an ethics perspective, from a uh, you know technical perspective, you really need to have, you need this cross-functional team. I think, um, you know, the, it was it was probably um, the hammer was too heavy for, for, the, for the time in, in many cases, but like now it's like, okay, how do we, how do we make a few adjustments to, uh, to, to enable, these kinds of cross-functional teams to really uh, do this exciting and important work and put our best people on this, put the the people with the most energy and excitement and ability to connect the dots on, on how we can really compete in this age. Um, I mean, this should be like the top opportunity in any organization. So, um, so I think like 
structurally like CDOs kind of got got the 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 bones right uh, you know it's now like okay what's the meat on the bones and are we are, are we kind of committing to this yeah 100% so you you took us there into the realms of you know the new the new AI era so uh, keen to pick your brains on this then um i guess as we move towards this new era what do you think needs to change in order for organizations to keep pace and and i guess how does that link back to the role of the of the cdo you know helping them to accelerate towards that ai adoption as it were yeah so you know as we really talked about in the article i think kind of the first couple of points really are about um the business really um this is everyone's business uh this is not a me thing. This is a we thing. And, you know, I think this is true in, in uh, at an organizational level, but also at a societal level. Um, you know, the, the implications of this are significant. And, um, you know, I, I hope that um, every person, um, you know, pays attention and, and takes this seriously as a as a citizen, <laughs> as a parent, um, as a as a person who works for an organization. And, um, is engaged in how this is going to fundamentally, you know, how these changes, um, you know, we we have, I'd like to see as many voices as possible inform uh, the direction of, of how this will unfold in our society, given how this underpins, you know, virtually everything <laughs> that happens. Um, so I think, um, you know, organizations need to, uh, this, this is a, a business led thing. This is not, there's not a person that needs to be responsible for this. There, there's a person maybe that can kind of quarterback the efforts, uh, but like the, the businesses really need to be heavily engaged, identifying what are the opportunities? Where should we be applying this? Where's, where's this, where can we compete more effectively? If we implement, uh, you know, what are the use cases that are really going to to move the needle, and and that's really the hardest part. Uh, you know, we talk about in the piece that uh, deciding on what problem you're trying to solve, as my friend Cassie Kozrakov uh, talks about, is really the hardest thing. Um, it is. I have seen this time and time again in all of the contexts I've operated in. Is that it's so easy for the conversation to start drift drifting to the technology to the architecture to and not back to what is the problem you are trying to solve um so i think uh you know having the business really uh guiding where where we apply um ai where where we apply these capabilities is um is critical um really you know, looking at the economics of how how money is spent, um, and really looking at returns, and uh, having a much more discipline around uh, uh, measuring value. You know, recognizing that there are going to be times when foundational investments need to be made, but they need to be made um, with uh, some accountability for uh, generating value you know, in early days. I mean, we, I don't think companies want to sign up for, I think, as I commented on somebody's LinkedIn post for infrastructure bills, you know, we, companies don't have that kind of appetite. So I think some real discipline around, around the ROI is important. Um, you know, and then we talk about, um, 
you know, really having an ecosystem mindset as well, that like, this is not within the walls of a company, but you're, um, you're dealing with your partners, you're dealing with your customers, you're dealing with universities. So, so being kind of a little more open to how you're going to engage, uh, engage with the world, that's a, that can be a shift in uh, mindset for, for many organizations. And those, those who I think think in those broader ecosystem terms will be well served. Yeah. I mean, that, and that all makes sense. I think the two things there that, that really resonated. So the first thing being, you know, what is the problem that we're trying to solve and how do you determine those, those problems and how do you prioritize which ones you tackle at which point in time for sure, I think is a, is a real factor as to, as to why many organizations seemingly haven't got this quite right just yet um and we see it time and time again right you know we'll be sat talking to an organization who are just about to embark upon their data analytics journey and it's all architecture platforms models and trying to move them back into yeah okay all of that is necessary at some point in time along this journey but but why what is the focus and i think most you know most organizations really struggle to articulate their reason for wanting to do this and it's very often led by the hype the buzz the fear of missing out you know what happens if our competitors down the road do this and we don't right we need to do something and they rush into it and before you know it you know they've spun up this huge lake house this new platform you've got you know 400 data scientists running around trying to unpick value from pockets of the organization and there's no kind of cohesive strategy or approach so we see that happen uh fairly regularly um and then the other piece actually when the cdo is in the role being able to quantify the value often seems to be the biggest sticking point so i don't know first of all i'll two-part this question to you allison and, and conscious of time but how how in terms of your advice, how do CDOs determine the problem and prioritize the the problems that they should be solving? And then how, out of the other side of that, how can they kind of quantify the the value? Any kind of hints and tips or tricks on on that? Yeah, well, I think it's really through um, engaging with the business and really understanding what what the business strategy is. I mean, first, the company hopefully has some strategic imperatives. And, you know, the data strategy really needs to, the data AI strategy, whatever you're going to call it, really needs to be in service of the overall business strategy. So I think you start with that. You start by really, you know, taking some of the strategic, I mean, unfortunately, companies sort of talk at very like pie in the sky levels with the strategy, but really breaking it down and um, into things that are actionable. I mean, you know, I would start with things like, um, you know, do we, do we really understand do we really understand how we make money? Do we really understand our customers in a deep way? Do we really understand who is at risk of leaving us? Um, you know, are we? Do we have we have we um, shored up the most fundamental capabilities that uh, that a company should have around just understanding like the, the 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 fundamental drivers of your your economics and profitability and how, and how can you use data? How can you use AI to ad- kind of advance those? core things. I think sometimes we, 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 we apply, we apply it to, we apply these, the efforts tangentially instead of to, to like core fundamental problems. Um, So, you know, I would ask the business, um, you know, what, 
what are the problems? Like, what are you, what are you worried about? What can't you do? Like, what do, what do you not know about your customers that you wish you knew? Or what do you not know about, you know, depending on the industry and, and, you know, focusing on those on, I mean, the problem is these words like don't have a lot of meaning because they're just said all the time, but like focusing on pain, but like meaningful pain, not just complaints, <laughs> you know, like meaningful systemic kind of things. Um, so I think it, it's it's really uh, having that kind of deep partnership with the business. I know one of the CDOs I talked to last year said, hey, if I had it to do all over again, I would just uh, have conversations with the business because he, he gave an example of how what, what a rich um, uh, problem he uh, was able to work on by developing a partnership with a critical business stakeholder and how the successful implementation of um, of, of taking one of their core functions and, and using data to make the the relationship managers uh, smarter about um, about offering services to their customers and being more relevant. How that was that was so successful. They they in fact couldn't even differentiate um, was the increased sales a result of uh, the data algorithms they had applied to tee up these opportunities or like they be, they became inseparable. So in a sense, like that's almost like the gold standard is when your, when your value is, is the same uh, measure as you would be measuring profitability. Like that's almost like a kind of a perfect state. So my point is that um, that key business leader then um, went throughout the organization and said, Hey, look what we're doing. And, and things start to, um, when you see success in parts of the organizations, that that's how you can, how you can replicate it. So, uh, you know, I think there, there is real substance to having this deeply connected uh, partnership with the business. That's just yeah. essential. And then the part about um, measuring value um, you know, I think, um, you know, I've, I've certainly had experience uh, developing scorecards involving our finance partners. I, I would say that, um, you know, to, to, to enlist the, the right people in your organization to be able to help you really in a, in a non-biased way, in a kind of a third-party audit way, Really look at the economics of uh, of your spend and the value that you're generating, and be able to share that with your stakeholders. And and um, you know, in the sh- short term and in the near term and kind of in the long term. I mean, I think you have to be very you have to have a very commercial focus toward this spend. I mean, you're, nobody's going to be given the latitude to just uh, uh, spend a lot of money without being able to show near term, you know, current, near term, and long term benefits. So put just putting more discipline around that, more impartiality, more, you know, involvement from, uh, you know, like the finance team, you know, identify the people in your organization who can really help you like build that discipline. That that just gives you a lot of credibility to um, and trust, as we talked about in the article, kind of the lack of trust and accountability on the spend. If you build that in, um, that gives you capacity to to be able to uh, take on other projects if you, if you have the accountability metrics in place. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think the, um, so, I mean, I get asked this question practically 
on a weekly basis and i'm uh in september i'm going in to um do a bit of a a talk for deloitte as part of their cdo program here in the in the uk and they've been going back and forth with me on the content around you know what people are interested in hearing about and lo and behold that question comes up again you know what what are the what are the top skills that differentiate you know great cdos and uh, and, and so on and so forth and i think relationship building is probably one of the most important skills I see play out time and time again. And in that example that you've just given there, whether you're talking about being able to go and build relationships with the business stakeholders um, to understand their problems, or whether it's to build relationships with your finance team to get them to help support you measure the value, mm-hmm. it all comes down to the same the same kind of skill and, and, and trait, right? And I think that's often hugely overlooked when organizations are recruiting you know it's actually how how good is this person at going building relationships with the people in the business that they will be supporting the difficulty with that is that's very hard to measure as well from a, from yeah, a I, you know it's funny i um i i think when you when um it's it's interesting to read job descriptions well i, I know you you write them and you're you this you're the expert on this but um Sometimes it's a laundry list of things that, you know, who, who are we looking to apply, have apply unicorns to these jobs? I mean, you know, I, I think what you need is somebody who, you know, understands the business, has a results orientation, a kind of a track record of being able to achieve results, um, is a person who is influential, good at relationships, uh, good at navigating change and, under, you know, kind of understanding change, being able to deal with um, uh ambiguity and and forging a path ahead in in uh, in ambiguous times so results orientation uh, a change in influence and relationship kind of uh, profile and then um, uh, you know somebody who is, is strategically oriented and can translate um, translate business strategy into data strategy so those three kinds of um, uh, aptitudes I think, you know, make for make for a strong candidate for this role. Uh, you know, you have to be able to um, to understand the business. You have to be able to understand enough about technology to to know how it can advance business objectives. But you have to be able to tie it all together. Um, and it's that kind of integrative, cross-functional enterprise, cross you know, cross-pollinating. Um, mindset that that is a bit hard to find. And I think people think, well, okay, in the absence of that, I'm going to go really deep in this one area. And I think um, then you ended up, you end up with kind of like lopsidedness. So I think to find those things in the leader and then surround the leader with the critical disciplines that you need across the technical areas, across the architecture areas, and then the, the, the key areas we've already talked about from an enterprise perspective. It's, it's ultimately a team effort, but you need strong leadership. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, job descriptions are something that I um, rant about on a practically weekly basis on on LinkedIn um, and about the sheer state of them, you know, even even at the CDAO level, you know, you still find it's all technical skills that are, you know, at the top of the of the list, you know, an organization looking for a chief data officer and the first thing on the list is Python. And I'm just like, oh God, well, here again, like, how, how, is, this, how is this happening? But um, yeah, there we go. Well, Alison, look, uh, been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I'm conscious of uh, not keeping you from your 
your bees and uh, your, your stings uh, for too much longer. But uh, yeah, very much um, loved having you uh, having the, having you on the show and uh, a very insightful conversation as always. And as I said, we'll put the link to your article in the the show notes and all of the socials that go out around this podcast. And uh, yeah, we look forward to uh, speaking with you again soon. All right, thank you. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. <laughs>